When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody. This is Beth Capici and I'm alone today. Wanted to share a short summary of some of my favorite thoughts on the topic of self-disclosure. And this motivation to share this topic was kind of propelled by a conversation I had with a teenager last week. And by the way, in case you don't know this, I work with middle schoolers all the way up to 100 year olds. So I basically see anybody unless they're sort of younger children. So this was with a 15 or 16 year old. And I'll tell you a little bit more about her story after I give you some of my main points for today. And this topic of self-disclosure fits in very well with my never perfect theme because I believe it's very important to be vulnerable and honest and to make sure that people never think that you or your life is perfect. And I think probably everyone that knows me personally or professionally knows that I struggle as a parent, I struggle as a person, I struggle as a wife, I make mistakes all the time, and life is just harder than I ever hoped it would be. That sounds so stupid. But anyway, I have to laugh. Um, Anyway, so just a few of my favorite points are just to get you thinking about where you are on a spectrum of self-disclosure and where you want to be on this spectrum and also why you are where you are on the spectrum of self-disclosure. So a 10 would be a person who is an open book. They will share everything with anyone, just indiscriminately. Anyone who will listen, they have no secrets. Um, Then a one would be a closed book and someone who shares nothing with anyone, someone who's really, really private. So, and of course, there are varying degrees all the way between the one and the 10. So think about where you are and again, why you're there and where you would want to be. So I'm hoping I can give you some reasons to be at a healthier place. I typically think being in the middle or around the middle is good on most traits, Um, but we do need a variety of diverse people. So it's nice to have open people and private people in the world. But I think we need to really think about what is healthy and best for us and our mental health. So um, for sure, internalizing secrets and pain is not healthy. And we don't necessarily have to share that with other people, but sometimes just letting it out through grief, crying, journaling, poetry, um, art, any version of letting it out is good. It doesn't have to involve other people, but I will talk about 
some of the real benefits of sharing it with people later. Um, and the obvious ones are it helps others and it helps ourselves and it improves connection and community. But um, so I took an interpersonal communication class when I was in college. I went to Vanderbilt University. I don't know that I've ever talked about where I went in college, but um, it was, I believe, my junior or senior year. And we talked about the topic of interpersonal um, well, in interpersonal communication and how self-disclosure relates to that. So there was a visual image of to kind of depict how self-closure disclosure should be approached in a healthy manner is two stairwells that are coming to meet in the middle, which is kind of a rare thing. You, you wouldn't find that a whole lot. But if you had two stairwells that kind of met at the same place. And each person involved in a conversation is at the top of one of those stairwells. And so you would be the one deciding, am I going to share my whole story and go all the way down the stairwell while the other person stands at the top? Or am I going to wait at the top while they, I see if they open up or share anything and take a step or two? But the research or the advice that was given was to maybe take a step at a time, maybe one or two at the most. And that way you can see if the person you're talking to is interested, if they're responsive, supportive, or if they share some vulnerability or some information so that you don't feel like you're out of whack or in different places. So if you shared a couple of things and then they shared a couple of things, you might say, okay, that feels safe. I'm going to share a little bit more and see if they kind of meet me where I am. So I like that visual. Maybe that can help you decide not to really be way too vulnerable and put yourself out there um, indiscriminately where you're maybe almost too vulnerable or you're oversharing and you're not being careful with your audience or getting a feel for your audience. So that's kind of like testing the waters. Another big piece of advice that I shared with this teenager last week was you do not have to share every bit of the story. You can share a portion. This kind of relates to the stare analogy. Um, you know, you could say, I've had a hard fall, uh, you know, the winter's hard for me or, or this last, you know, semester was hard and just leave it at that. You're not really going into detail. Or you could say, I had a, a terrible nervous breakdown and I started using all kinds of drugs and I went to rehab and share a lot more information. So um, I often tell clients when they're confiding in someone about mental health struggles, to just share kind of a general idea of I'm having some hard times or I'm having some anxiety. You don't have to tell them your exact diagnosis unless you want to. So um, this teenager that was confiding in me about some childhood pain and how one of her siblings was just mean to her and never valued her or spent any time with her, um, and she was really grieving it, but didn't want to talk to her mother about it. She spent almost an entire session talking about that pain. And 
I encouraged her to consider, even though I do realize that it's very developmentally appropriate for teenagers to want to confide in other people besides their parent, um, you know, their teenagers are trying to prepare to leave the nest and, you know, not rely on their parents so much. So I don't want to act like that's abnormal, but I do think it might help her in her healing process to tell her mother that she had grieved the relationship of one of her siblings a huge amount. And I think this is a piece of her depression was that some of that pain she had internalized and never spoken about with anybody, literally until me last week. So I encouraged her to just talk to her mother and maybe even just say, you know, sometimes I felt a bit sad that my brother never included me with his friends and I felt on the fringes and left out a lot and, you know, see how her mom responds. And then, you know, she could go from there. So again, you can tell 5%, you can share 50% of the story or you can share the whole story. So it does not have to be all or nothing. Um, a really important reminder is I feel like secrets have a lot of power and internalized pain has a lot of power and it can do a lot of damage. And I really have seen many people who feel that sharing their story, even just the first round of a story, even if it's only 25% of the full, you know, detail can divide your pain in half sometimes. I think sometimes the first session that people have in counseling where they share their story can create so much healing and progress, even just one conversation. And imagine telling a couple more trusted people your story and what that could do for you. Um, a great example of this is actually with trauma, um, witnessing a traumatic incident. There's a concept called critical incident stress debriefing. And there's a lot of research showing that individuals who talk about and process their trauma within, I believe it's 24 hours. Um, it could be 48, but I think it's 24 hours. They eliminate a huge amount of the trauma and it's sort of like it doesn't get downloaded into their long-term memory because they've kind of worked through it when it's in their short-term like storage part of their brain. So that's worth Googling. I'm just kind of sharing this off the top of my head. So I'm not probably using all the, the right lingo, but that's kind of great proof. Um, another interesting thing I've noticed is, so everybody listening, I'm sure has had some bad dreams or some nightmares. Have you ever noticed when you wake up from one of those and you're very freaked out, scared, and you're like, I've got to tell somebody how terrible this story was and how terrifying it was. I know when this has happened to me, a lot of times I get frustrated because I feel like it's not sounding nearly as scary when I talk about it as it did in my brain. And I feel like I can't do it justice. Um, I, I feel like in a way talking about your story, that's how the pain can sort of or the power of it can be taken away to some degree, obviously not all of it, but sharing it aloud somehow makes it feel more manageable than just having it circle in your brain. So that's another way to think of it. Um, so a few more examples that relate to why self-disclosure is so important. 
I have noticed over the years, people that will share their stories, just friends even saying, you know, when I had a miscarriage and I told people, all these other individuals came out of the woodwork and said, I had a miscarriage, I had a miscarriage, or I had a stillborn. And until they talked about their story, they had no idea that they were surrounded by people with similar stories. I was on my friend's podcast, um, my Enneagram Plus Yoga Friends podcast about a year ago or so. And one of them said, oh, my father was an alcoholic. And it was during the recording. And the other one said, my father was an alcoholic too. And so, you know, if someone isn't brave enough to be vulnerable and share a personal struggle or loss, then you have no idea how many people around you are battling the same thing. Might be my husband had an affair, my wife had an affair, we have infertility issues. And again, our struggles, our disappointments in ourselves. I'm disappointed in my career success. I find parenting so much harder than I expected it to be. I find marriage so much harder than I expected it to be. So think about that, just mental health issues. I mean, one in three of us approximately have anxiety. Why would we be embarrassed to share that when it's so common? So um, just a few ways that I think this is helpful or why we should share more. Um, If it's not obvious, it is an encouragement. It helps us. It helps other people. We discover we're not alone. It helps our connection with people. It gives us more support. We also can give more support. We can give people advice like this is how I coped with my miscarriage or this is where I went for therapy when I had marriage problems. This is a book that helped me with parenting struggles Um, It helps people understand you and where you're coming from. You know, this is why I have a fear of this, or this is why I get jealous or resentful of this type of person, or, um, you know, just so people can understand you. And, you know, again, we can teach more and we can learn more when we know what someone has been through or is going through. So... I guess that is a decent summary. I hope that was helpful. And yeah, I would just encourage you all to think about where you are on self-disclosure and maybe talk to someone about how you got there. Maybe your family was very private. Maybe your family was extremely open. Maybe you tried opening up to people and you regretted it. Um, So how did you get where you are on that spectrum? And how could you grow or heal and get to a healthier place if you don't feel like you're kind of where you want to be? So thanks for listening. 